Hey everyone, I'm Jim Gast, and this is No Law Firm Left Behind. Um, you know, I appreciate you joining me this week and every week that you do, whether you join live or you catch us on a podcast or just watch the live stream uh, in a recorded format. Um, every week I, I come to you, I want to give you great information. Uh, and this week's no different. Um, something happened last week that um, that really spawned today's show, and I wanted to get it out there as soon as I could. So um, real quick, I've been doing technology for law firms, nonprofits, and manufacturers for 25 years, almost 30 years now, uh, in between there. And I've had the company SpliceNet for as long. And we deal with a lot of interesting situations. And last week's was the first that ever came to me like this before. Uh, we've had similar, but not to this extreme. So what happened last week was that we got a call from somebody that had needed some help and uh, a law firm that needed help. They called and their email was down and their website was down. For us, that's not a really, you know, really challenging struggle. Typically, we can get right to the root of it and, and resolve an issue like that. But uh, but this one is a bit more trickier. What had uh, what had happened was the um, the domain name for the customer's um, internet internet domain name you want know, something.com right was apparently hijacked we thought and so you know we spent a lot of time looking into it uh, took a bunch of time to evaluate to find out what the problem was but at first glance everything appeared that it was hijacked um, fortunately it wasn't hackers. It would have probably been a much worse situation, but we'll get to that. All right. So we checked our various resources. We use resources on an internet, like every other MSP and IT company and consultant does like MX toolbox and who dot is and a whole slew of other tools to try to dig down and find problems with internet domains and, uh, and email flow and the like. So, um, what we found when we started using these tools, sorry, I got a tickle, was that the um, the domain name was no longer registered in the customer's company name, right? Uh, everything on it was marked private and uh, and something that we hadn't seen in this particular situation before. Um, so, you know, we get to think in the worst case scenario when we started seeing this, um, and the only thing we could find is that it was, uh, the domain had been registered at register.com and know a little bit about register.com. We've dealt with them before. They're very popular domain registrar, just like, just like GoDaddy or, or network solutions, which is who we prefer to use as network solutions. So, um, of course we called up netregister.com and said, Hey, you know, we're trying to find some information out about this domain and, uh, you know, what can you tell us? They really couldn't tell us a whole lot at all. The um, the, the what the, you know the reason they couldn't is because the domain was resold under the register.com umbrella um, by a register.com reseller. Now, if you didn't know anything about, it, a lot of companies sell domain names and, um, and they, they resell them, and they use registrars to to sell them because most companies can't do it themselves, right? They don't have the uh, their wherewithal to do it themselves. So they use a register.com, but it's their their interface, right? And there's all kinds of companies that do it. It's really, really a common thing, um, you know, that happens. So because of that, because of that privacy veil that register.com has with their resellers, they couldn't tell us anything. They had, they told us that we had to call the reseller, all right? Okay, 
well, we'll call the reseller. Well, we, you know, they gave us the information for the reseller and we called the reseller. It turned out that the, uh, the reseller was bought by another company and there was no one at that company that bought them that could help us, at least we thought. And so we were really left with, you know, a, a really tough situation. You know, what do we do, right? Register.com can't help us. The, um, the, the, the people that could help us that are the reseller, you know, they're not, they're not there. They're gone. They're out of business. Essentially, they've been acquired by someone else. So obviously, um, you know, we're going to go back to register.com because it seems to be our best course of action. So we went back to register.com. And um, and they were still unable to assist. Now, they can't give you any information for confidentiality reasons. OK, they're just not going to. That's their policy. And they stick with it really strict. What they could tell us is that the domain was never registered in the company's name that owned the domain, the, the customer that were calling me. Right. The uh, the company that was calling me to help them. The law firm, that is. And so that was interesting. And so what are we going to do? We're going to go back to the company that bought them. And it's what we did and, and kind of push a little bit. Okay, look, you know, here's the situation. I don't know if you bought this. The, uh, the old owner of the company that was purchased was gone. They couldn't really help. I, you know, we, we pled our case with the people that we could and said, you know, hey, there's not really, you've got to find a way to try to help us in some way, shape or form. Because at, during this entire time, the customer's down. They're not, they have no email, no web interface, um, really bad. And, you know, what was going through our mind was, you know, some worst case scenarios before that. And the customer still kind of concerned about some worst case scenarios. And I'll explain those in a minute. So um, it happened that I knew someone at a higher up level at this MSP slash IT company. And, um, and after waiting and pulling, you know, all the strings that I could with the direct approach, I really pulled that out of my back pocket, which was, you know, which I really appreciate them coming and helping, but was a, um, was really a much, much higher level. There's many, many levels at this, uh, this MSP. And so um, going to the, that far to the top to someone, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll do whatever I can for my customer. I had to do it, you know? And so um, they, they, they were able to ultimately help out like within the next day or really, really late that evening or something like that. It turns out that the, the law firm's domain was not hijacked. It was just expired and register.com or the reseller had um, had maybe told someone who never told the, the, the law firm because they weren't the contact information on that on that domain. And they might have told register.com might have told the reseller that this domain was expiring, but the email address for that for that person was gone, right? And the, and didn't go anywhere um, that that anybody knew about. And so uh, because of it expired, nobody know, nobody knew. It then went into an inactive status. And the good news is is that I think the uh, ICANN has it that um, ICANN is the the organization that kind of mandates what happens with domain names and such on the internet. I think they have a policy where um, you have to hold a domain name for a year and not allow it to be sold to anybody else. So that's a good policy, obviously, for this customer, for this law firm. Um, but all it needed to be, all it needed to be done was, was renewed. Now, when it got inactivated, uh, register.com or again, the resellers 
processes that were automated turned it into a private domain. So nobody knew what it was. But in all the searches that I did, um, this was a very odd, odd, odd information. You know, a lot of information led to being being potentially hijacked, which is an initial scare. So the good news is we got the customer out of the situation. Now, the customer tried to handle it themselves for the first day. Then they came to me on the second day. And uh, and finally, on that, you know, on that third day, it was able to be resolved. Um, but it brings up some very, very important points. Um, and, and this is the scam part of today's show. Now, whether or not this this is an innocent or intentional um, act, many, many IT companies and MSPs and IT IT consultants or web developers, for that matter, will register domain names for companies. They do it all the time, but all, but many times they put it in their name, in their company name, and not in the actual real true owner's name. So the you know it's very important to be very clear when you're working with these companies. They're going to register a domain name for you that you own that if that's what you desire. Um, and so what happens again is that company goes out of business, worst case scenario, the person to register for you passes away, who knows, right? Um, some, some really bad stuff can happen, but it's really important that you get it registered in your name. Now, in the beginning days of IT consultant, trust me, I was there. I know when the internet was prevalent and, uh, and these domain names were being registered, Nobody really had a clear forward thought on how this stuff is going to shake down in the future. And a lot of IT companies, ones I know, registered domain names for their customers in, in their name, not the customer's name. Now, probably very innocent, probably still, you know, unintentionally that way for a lot of domain names and a lot of law firms and a lot of companies. But if you don't know if your domain name is registered in your name, your organization's name, then you need to find out. Okay. Because again, you know, here I am 30 years into the industry and, you know, I probably got another good 10, 15, 20 years left in me in this industry. What's going to happen if any of my domain names were registered like that? Am I going to think about that when I decide to go to retire or, 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 or close up shop or whatever happens, right? You know, and I'm not saying I'm going to do any of that stuff, but you don't know what any other MSP or IT company is going to do or web developer for that matter. So not necessarily a scam. Okay. But definitely something that is, is you should be looking at now. What if you get into a dispute with that IT company? What if you're leaving them? What if they say you owe the money and you refute that they can hold that against you. They can, they can log into your domain they can do things they shouldn't do, or they could just let it lapse because, oh, well, we didn't get the email, right? And so that would be nefarious and definitely something that uh, that would be scammy, right? Uh, also, if they are registered in domain names and they do it in their name today, well, they either don't know what they're doing or they're trying to lock you into their services. So I would, uh, that's IT companies, MSPs, or web developers, or even web hosting companies. So again, if you're registering a domain name today, make sure that it is in your name. Now let's talk about the, the scare that we had over this. Again, I told you in the beginning, it was hijacked. What if, what if it, you know, we thought it was hijacked. What if it was really hijacked? Let's talk about that scenario for a moment, okay? 
And it's a real possibility because as I'm going through this, this exercise of getting a customer's domain back to them and getting them up and running, you know, all these interesting scenarios came into my mind. So let's talk about the anatomy of how a domain could could be hijacked. Let's suppose you registered your domain name. Let's suppose somebody else registered your domain name. Okay. And let's suppose that, and again, this is a very simple, oversimplified explanation of how this could happen. There's a lot of potential stop gaps in the middle of these things that could be seen and potentially missed, but this is a real possible scenario. So let's suppose somebody registered domain name, web developer, web hosting company, they're re-registering or whatever. Okay. And, um, or maybe you did it uh, for your law firm, for your business. And you have a username and password that you put in for the registrar. What if it didn't require two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication? And multi-factor authentication, again, comes in many forms and fashions, okay? So think about this, uh, you know, a two-factor one-time passcode that it emails you or text messages you or you pull up off of an app on your phone. Um, So what if you don't have multi-factor authentication? If somebody was to steal those credentials and it can be done, okay, or maybe you made the credentials the same, or maybe your IT company, web developer, web hosting company made those credentials same as somebody some of their other credentials. So it only has to be hacked one time and they just got to try it. What if that that username and password is compromised and there's not multi-factor authentication? They log into that registrar, whether it be network solutions or or registrar.com or whoever, and they change the contact information on the domain name. Now, we're talking about hackers here, right? We're talking about people who will profit from, from emails, right? From controlling your email, controlling your website and such. What if they then set up um, a situation where they themselves pay for the privacy of that domain name? Now you have no idea who actually controls that domain. It's a real possible scenario. Again, there's stop, stop gaps here. That are, that are possible, but maybe they could be overlooked and missed. So then that hacker decides we want all of their email. Well, they then can forward the records that actually send your email to your email server, whether it's Microsoft 365 or Gmail or an on-premise email server or some other service for that matter. They could forward your email MX record. That's what's called a mail exchanger record um, to a email server that they faked, they, that phony email server, that bogus email server that they set up. Okay, so now they're getting all of your email, all right? All of your emails going into an email server and they can read it. They can look at all the attachments for as long as that that lasts, okay? They also then have content and people that they could potentially hack based on your emails, all right? So that's scary enough and it's a real scenario. In addition to that, maybe they set up a fake website that looks just like your website, okay? but has some type of, you know, some type of program that when you land on the website, invisibly behind the scenes, it's called a drive-by, by the way. It's, that's what it's called is a drive-by. And that they come to the website that installs some private software, some, some quiet software in the background on your computer, on their, on someone's computer that's hitting your website. And now you're the, because your domain name was hacked, you now are, you know, you now are under your domain name, domain name and a fake website infecting others and making them vulnerable to hacking through some other mechanism, right? Ransomware or what? So, uh, so now your email has been forwarded, your, your, your website has been hacked and it's infecting hundreds and hundreds of other people that come to your website. So those are real scenarios 
that could exist. So you know you can't get your website back. It's hard to get back. You can't. You you're sure you can call the fraud departments or the registrars, but really it's going to take time, a lot of money, a lot of effort to actually get it all back. So how do we keep this from happening? Okay, um, you know. Well, let's talk about one other thing. Let's suppose another scenario is a little bit less nefarious, right, than hacking. Is your web developer or web hosting provider says we need all of your all of your traffic to come to our web web our web servers, and then we'll tell it where to go, where the email to go, where the website's at, where an FTP server's at, or a remote desktop server's at. Okay, uh, that's another thing. And then that web hosting provider goes out of business, or they have problems. Um, you know, so one of the things I say is never let um, never let a web developer or a web hosting provider host all of your DNS records. Okay. Again, I'm going to step back and, and explain what DNS records are because it's a little complex. Everything else is kind of under uh, kind of rudimentary, right? Everybody can kind of understand the scenarios, but DNS is one of these types of things that most people, if you're a lawyer, if you if you're running a company, you just don't typically know what this is. So DNS. Uh, it, it stands for don, domain name system, right? And what that does, it takes an IP address. Everybody pretty much knows what an IP address is and turns it into a name like www.splice.net is correlated to an IP address on the internet. So I could just type in splice.net to my, to my web browser and it knows where to go, all right? No, by the way, if you didn't understand that the website's not controlled by the names of websites, well, sorry, it's all just, you know, uh, 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 you know, front storefront facing. Right. So anyway, uh, there's DNS entries that tell where your email should go, what IP address your email should go. That's called an MX record. All right. Um, there's, there's, there's DNS entries that tell where your website should go. There's all other kinds of DNS entries also that say that, Hey, when your email goes there, this is a, if you get an email from this place, this is a safe place to receive email from. Those are called uh, SPF records and such. Um, and so a lot of times your domain, your, your, your domain your web developers or your web hosting providers will want all those records to be on their system. Why? just control, right? For good reasons or bad reasons, they just want to control it. So if you have a problem with email and your email flow, you've got to call the web developer who doesn't really typically know how to solve email server problems, right? Or the web hosting company who throws their hand up and say, we just point this stuff, right? Instead, I would alternatively never give a web developer or web hosting company control over all of my all of my DNS, my internet DNS, okay, all those domains. Um, I, I would control that at the registrar or some other company that's specifically designed for that for small businesses. The registrar is typically most of the places that people do that. And then I would protect it heavily, okay? Uh, and then I would point the web's, web records to the web hosting provider, okay? I would point the web servers to, you know, to the web hosting provider so the web developer can do what they do, all right? Also, if you don't have an IT person to explain this to you in depth and help you with this, you know, private message me. I'm happy to explain. So back to back to some of the ways that we can prevent hijacking nefarious or not so nefarious or innocent, right, is three ways, right? Let's never give web developers and web hosting providers full control of your uh, your DNS. By the way, that control Never give them name servers. Those are what they're called, name servers, okay? Um, never give the name servers to a web developer or a web hosting company. 
In other words, that tells the registrar, we don't control the DNS. It's controlled over here. Those are called name servers. All right. Never give that to a web developer. The other thing is definitely at the end of this video, go to who.is. It's simple. Okay. Go to who.is. It's, it's a website, who.is. So all you got to type in your web browser and type in your domain name there. Make sure that it is registered to you or someone at your company and your company. So domain names are typically registered to individuals or companies. Okay. And if it is registered at a company, make sure that it is registered as there's a contact on there, an administrative or technical contract, contact, contract, contact um, that will probably never leave your organization owner, owners, for example, myself. But in the situation where an IT provider might, might sell their company, that doesn't help a whole lot. So you want a couple of additional people on there, including uh, if it's an IT person in your organization, that's not good enough, right? Um, you you want somebody that's not going to leave, okay? And if you put multiple of each, not too many, okay? Too many means more people that could be potentially hacked. I'd say three administrative te administrative contacts and maybe a, a couple technical contacts, uh, people that are highly trusted, and make sure that we're checking this annually. Make sure that, it, that those people are registered to it, not owning it. Very important. All right. Um, and then make sure it's definitely registering company name if that is the case, because if it is ever hijacked, you can get it back by, you know, sending a letter in some, in some cases and uh, and disputing it with uh, with a registrar, not registrar.com if it's a reseller, unfortunately. The other thing, and finally, um, I'll, I'll say this much, uh, we repeat this all the time. Okay. All the time. MFA. Okay. Multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication. Honestly, in our organization, we have two-factor authentication set up on so many things that I have to scroll through a list often to find all of the, even my multi-factor authentication app is multi-factor authenticated. So I have to put face ID on it, but scrolling, 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 lots and lots of these, you know, that we have. Why? I don't want people getting into any accounts that we have access to. Everything should have multi-factor authentication on it. It is a hindrance. It is a problem. I know. But if you're ever, ever, you know, hacked, you'll, you would have appreciated having multi-factor multi authentication on whatever resource was hacked. If you don't know how to set up multi-factor authentication, I would, I would definitely private message me, talk to your IT teams, talk to your IT consultant and find out how can we get MFA, that's what we call it for short, multi-factor authentication on everything that's, a, that's possibly capable of doing it. Um, it's a one-time passcode. So they can break the username, they can break the password, but only you would have access to the one-time passcode, that multi-factor authentication code. Even though I'm gonna say this, it can be hacked too, but it's a lot harder to do so. So uh, I got a couple of other scenarios that I'm going to talk about. I'm kind of splitting shows up a little bit. Uh, next week, we're going to have uh, Baron Henley from Affinity Consulting. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the tech show a little bit. We're going to ABA tech show. We're going to talk about a, a bunch of fun stuff next week. Um, but on our next uh, IT scams uncovered segment, what we're going to talk about is passwords and documentation and how and the risk that you take not controlling them either with your in-house in IT teams or with your managed service provider slash IT consultants. Lots of incredibly huge risks there as well. So again, you know, this is No Law Firm Left Behind. And what I'll say is this, if you're not a member of No Law Firm Left Behind on LinkedIn, please 
go join, grab this link, join and uh, become a member of No Law Firm Left Behind. It's a private group on uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, if, you, if you can't write this down or find it, just go search No Law Firm Left Behind on LinkedIn. There's a company page and there's a group page. Follow the company and join the group, please do. Okay. In addition, you know, we've got our magazine out. If you, uh, if you're not subscribed to the, uh, to the No Law Firm Left Behind magazine, private message me and I'll get you connected with that too. And then finally, if you're looking for our past shows, just go to www.splice.net forward slash no law from left behind. All of our, all of our old shows are there. All the videos are there. Uh, plus you can find us on all major podcast platforms just by searching no law from left behind on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, so on and so on and so on. So, Hey, listen, I hope this is very helpful, helpful today. I hope you, you, you immediately go check who dot is for your domain name and see if it's registered. And if it says privacy, dig into that and ask your IT people, what's the privacy you ultimately need to get these under your control because the eventuality is it could expire. You not know about it and somebody not take care of it and you don't know what to do or it could be hijacked. So, hey, have a great week. See you next week. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.